Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Available in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADICS when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your third place Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Mr. Christopher Cullen. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? Well, Sam, we put up 40 fucking points against the NFC defending uh, champions on the road on the West Coast. So I'm doing pretty damn good in Spooktober with my skull straw. Well, I uh, I hate to correct you with your inaccuracies right off the bat, but we scored 43 points against the defending NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. But you're absolutely right. 43 to what? 17 was that the yeah. final score? Yeah. Uh, my God, what a beatdown! I mean, I uh, you know my feelings about the San Francisco 49ers, and this is one of the uh, the greatest days of my life. I mean, my birthday was a couple of days prior to us recording right now. Thank you. And the game was a couple of days before my birthday, so I was uh, I was walking around the San Francisco Bay area all week long Chris just uh strutting my tail feathers well and then not only did that happen but COVID happened and it changed the schedule all around and now all of a sudden it's Jets week so Sam you are getting the proverbial cherry on top of that Sunday my friend this is like one of those presents that you get for your birthday where you open the present you're like oh wow this is a really thoughtful gift and then it's like a like a nice sweater or a nice jacket or something and you think okay great I got a nice sweater or a nice jacket and then the next thing you know somebody's like dude check the pocket and you check the pocket you're like oh my god there's 50 dollars in here uh that's what this feels like getting the jets after beating the 49ers is like uh getting 50 extra dollars in your brand new jacket I totally agree with you but then they said, hold on, there's something taped on the inside of the jacket, and it's $50 worth of Joe Flacco, no Le'Veon Bell, and no Robbie Anderson, and oh yeah, you know, Adam, Adam Gase is the head coach. So it's like two $50 bills? <laughs> yes, I mean, the best thing about all of this is the last one right there is where you said Adam Gase is still employed <laughs> for the Jets. I mean, how the, reg- the, the regular schedule was, Chris, um, I don't know that there was a snowball's chance in hell that we were going to get an Adam Gase-coached Jets team, uh, but because of COVID, and all the delays and everything else going on. We get them now. Uh, this very well could. We're going to talk all about this game. I'm wondering, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Don't tell me yet. This is called a tease, ladies and gentlemen. Could we be the final nail in the coffin of Adam Gase in New York? Stay tuned for that. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Niners game right now, Chris, because I am still on a high. I'm still riding that wave here in the Bay Area. 43 points, obviously a season high for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, five. High. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might be an all-time high ever. I think I think we scored forty-three points all of last season. So I mean, it was <laughs> Jason Sanders had like twenty-nine of them. Yeah, well, Jason Sanders has five field goals, and I think we also scored four touchdowns. Isn't that the math from uh, this past weekend? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to totally take your word on that one. Well, it, it was an amazing put. By the way, no turnovers that entire time. I mean, it's, it's hard to poke any holes. I will find them. Trust me, I will find them. But it's hard to poke any holes in the offensive game plan that we had against those 49ers. But what stood out to you the most, Chris, on this beatdown win against the 49ers? 
Oh, there's so much to choose from here, Sam, but I'm going to go with the consistency on both sides of the ball. I mean, it was unbelievable to watch how efficient we worked, especially after the Seattle game where it was just field goal, field goal, field goal. What did I say the last episode, Sam? I said, we need to get the ball in the end zone. And Ryan Fitzpatrick started from the first pass. He went deep to Preston Williams. Uh, That's And they started picking on that corner, and it was phenomenal to see. Um, Chan Gailey came out and said that Ryan Fitzpatrick saw the way – defensive end was standing in his stance and they gave away the coverage and he threw a touchdown. I mean, just unbelievable game plan, unbelievable game to go out there. Yes. An injury riddled 49ers team, but Sam to do that. And this is one thing I've been waiting to say when we record our show, the Miami dolphins of late, of very late, the most latest since the two thousands have always beat teams. They shouldn't. And when they play teams they should beat that are injury riddled or something like that, we always play down to their level and either it's a close game uh, or, or we lose. And we came out here and beat the shit out of the San Francisco 49ers. They benched Jimmy Garoppolo and they said it's good to protect his ankle. No, a lot of those throws were mentally based and not ankle based. So our defense played stellar. Xavier Howard with another pick. I mean, just against across the board, Sam, pass rush. Defensive backs are blocking our run game and Ryan Fitzpatrick. What I mean, what an all-around great team win. And it just what felt weird to wait till four to watch this game and it be just comfortable the whole time. That was a beautiful thing, and I can get used to that. Yeah, I gotta say, I've never felt more stupid in my life than sitting here last week stumping for Tua to be the starter in this game. And you were like, No, I think we're good with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm like, no, the man's too old. He can't do it. And he goes out there and throws for a bajillion yards and a bajillion. I'm the two time Hall of Famer, Sam. Yeah, well, there you go. But you know what? I think that's my level of motivation because I've already written an apology letter to Devontae Parker because he was soft week one, but he's been hard as hell ever since. I've been trashing Preston Williams, and he came out strong in this game. He actually caught a ball. I I said last week that he can't catch the ball in between the numbers. Ryan Fitzpatrick tattooed him on that touchdown pass right between the one and the eight, and uh, he caught it. And then I think he looked right at the camera and said, fuck you, Sam. So I'm pretty sure that happened. And then, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I love, you love, everyone loves. I was talking to Niner fans out there, and they're like, it's hard to hate Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm like, right? That's exactly correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was stumping for him to be benched for two. I thought this was the game to do it. And you know what? Ryan Fitzpatrick was like, nah, this old man still got a couple of tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, and he even came out in the press conferences after, and he's like, uh, look, I-, I can still make every throw. And honestly, I've been in this game so long and I've played literally since Aikman was a rookie um, that I can, it's mentally slowed down for him now. And he's already a brilliant, smart man and brilliantly handsome. So handsome. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just said the game slowed down. He's making better decisions with the ball. And here's one cool thing I I heard on my lunch break, Sam, listening to uh, NFL Now on the NFL Network. And I love this. And I think this is a testament to Chris Greer and Flores and what they've done. He came out and said it's been easier for him because of how many targets he has. He's played on teams in the past, and it's always been one and done. It's like he's on the Bills, he had Sammy Watkins, and that's it. Right. Or he was on you know, the Jets, and he had Brandon Marshall, and that's it. So like, he's forcing the ball to these one, this one guy. This, this offense, it's like we might uh, spotlight Gusecki tomorrow, and then we might spotlight Parker the next day, and oh, shit, Grant has a package now. So um, the, the, he is loving having the guys to throw to, and you can tell he's spreading it around. He's throwing it to different different receivers and god damn it he's taking advantage of defenses and and it's beautiful to see well you're talking day to day game to game week to week we might spotlight somebody else this game had preston williams catch a touchdown and like 80 yards receiving Devontae parker had like 80 yards receiving and a touchdown and oh, mike no. kosicki had like five catches for 93 yards so i mean he, they're spotlighting people play to play and that is 
possible to defend. You can't defend that. No, you can't, especially when you're depleted. I mean, if you look at that Niners secondary, they're, they're literally starting nothing but second and third stringers. So you have, uh, you know, first string all-world talent with Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. And then when Preston Williams shows up the way he did, it's hard enough to cover them when you have like your top defenders. But when you're on second and third stringers, Miami Dolphins came out and did exactly what they were supposed to do. They threw the ball on this depleted defense. Uh, they kept Ryan Fitzpatrick clean in the pocket. And then they shoved it up their ass with Matt Breda. I mean, Matt Breda got double-digit t- touches for the first time in his Miami Dolphins career. And oh, by the way, it happened to be against the team that dumped him on us. We kind of called that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I think everybody could see that coming. I think even Matt Breda called his own number on this. Like we said, he probably went to the coach and said, use me and use me early and often. That's exactly what they did. Just rub a little bit of salt into the wound. Jordan Howard actually wasn't even active for this game. So that yeah, was a clue scratch. right there. Healthy scratch. That was, that was brutal. Yeah. A healthy scratch basically means that <laughs> your services are no longer needed here, but we're paying you. So I guess we'll just keep you around a little bit longer, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Jordan Howard just in a little while. Um, you mentioned a guy who I like I promised Chris, I was going to punch a hole in the offense somewhere. Uh, and I couldn't certainly do it with the, with the wide receivers. I couldn't do it with the running backs. I couldn't do it with the quarterbacks. I couldn't even do it with uh, our offensive line, Chris, that was without our talented rookie, Austin Jackson. He's on IR. Uh, all we do is we shift Jesse Davis from right tackle to left tackle. And we bring in yet another talented rookie in Robert Hunt to play right tackle next to Solomon Kinley. So we just swapped one talented rookie for another talented rookie. And I didn't see any tangible difference between the two, uh, which gives me a huge amount of hope for the future, Chris. Before I get into what I didn't like about this game, just speak on how well this offensive line has been playing so far this season. Thank God you brought them up, Sam. This is something we've been harping on since episode one of Welcome to Perfect Bill. And we are now well over 160 episodes on this show. And it's our offensive line. And to go out of a game, out of a few games, really out of a season, and have the guys available now, uh, the monsters they brought in. Robert Hunt, who uh, you know started at right tackle, like you mentioned, I liked him a lot coming out of college. And he, he didn't even start. Uh, for this line that that is not normal for Miami Dolphins offensive line I'm not used to that but guess what he gets his time to come in and uh, Solomon McKinley came out in the press conference today or yesterday and said that him and Hunt came together like literally that Arnold Schwarzenegger gif of like them like shaking hands and flexing their muscles they started before the game they were like uh, let's see how many pancakes we can get this game. Like they wanted to come out and fucking destroy people. And they did. There's video evidence of them double teaming guys, uh, just completely rodeoing a lot of these guys. I mean, just completely railroading them and putting them on the ground. And it, it, it's fun to see. And they're versatile. Robert Hunt can play right tackle. He can play guard. And one guy too, that Travis Wingfield pointed out on Twitter, and I'm glad he did because he deserves a lot of credit is uh, offensive line, Sam, as you know, it's not like quarterbacks, not like receiver. If you don't hear their name, they're, they're playing well. And one guy that's not been mentioned a lot is Eric Flowers, and mm-hmm. he has been playing his ass off. He's playing great. This offensive line is gelling, man. And uh, holy shit, for the first time in Perfectville history, we might be able to say the offensive line's future looks very good. <laughs> It looks very bright, and, and, I'm, and I'm ready to put my hat down and say that right now. And it was funny about that. I'm glad you mentioned Eric Flowers by name because at one point during the game against the Niners, the game was already out of hand. I think it was like the second quarter, maybe the third, and uh, Solomon Kinley was getting into it. He was pushing back and forth with one of the defensive linemen for the Niners, and uh, Eric Flowers comes over. And this guy, I, I forget how big he is. Massive. Just how talented he was coming out of college. I mean, he's obviously been a reclamation project and just been, you know, I think he's found a home back in Miami. But the two guys are fighting back and forth, and there's a young defensive lineman 
and, and obviously Solomon Kinley, a rookie, and they're jockeying and pushing each other after the play. And Eric Flowers just kind of came over like a dad and was like, no. And that's all he had to say. And both of them stopped <laughs> and went back to the respective models. So the guy commands the respect, not only as a leader of the offensive line, but apparently across the league because people are scared of this man. And you know what? I'm glad he's on our team and not somebody else's. If your last name's Flowers, I feel like you have to be a fucking badass or your your life is ruined. So he's probably been dealing with this in second grade, and he just knows. He he had the dad look look down. He just walked over, and, and there, there's a there's a the video on the internet. It's very viral of like two chimpanzees like kind of uh, arguing, and one kind of throws dirt on like the big gorilla, and the silverback doesn't hit him, doesn't do anything. He just walks up and does this. It just, just looks stares, <laughs> and the chimpanzee's just like, "All right, got it." Got it. That was Eric Flowers. He just was like, chill the fuck out. He gave him the dad look. Hey, you know, Sam, your dad, any dads out there, you just across the room, a bunch of people at your house, they're doing something they're not supposed to. They feel it. It tingles in the back of their neck. They turn and look and the dad's just going and you know, they know to stop. Yeah, and a side note of this, we have Eric Flowers and Brian Flores. We must lead the league in men with the last name of, uh, you know, some sort of floral, floral. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think We're that's like the true. lows of NFL football teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, the offensive line's playing well. I don't think anybody can really complain about the offensive line so far this season. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a little bit of a mixed bag, but more good than bad. And he's just a fun dude to watch. We've, we've been saying that since the day he signed with the team. Uh, Devontae Parker is living up to the expectations that he set for himself last season. Uh, he has worked through an, inju- an injury and just continues to be out there. He got injured in this game and then came back out and played even some more. Um, Preston Williams looked good. Mike Kosicki is everything that we thought he was going to be coming out of college. Uh, the running backs, you know, they're not great, but they, again, I mentioned this on the last episode, Chris, they're effective runners. They get the yards when they need to get the yards to move the chains and, and, and have the defense respect the run game just enough um, that, uh, that it allows you to do play action and open up your passing game. There's only one guy, Chris, that continues to just frustrate me. There's Uh-oh. one guy. There's one small man that continues to just <laughs> literally and figuratively go backwards. And of course I'm talking about Jakeem freaking Grant. And I'm now, I know I'm not alone. I know citizens of Perfectville that I'm not alone in this anymore because I could sense the frustration after this game where he fumbled away a punt early. We'd already scored. We held him on defense and then he fumbles away a punt. Oh, actually he got it back, but he, he, he recovered it at like the three yard line. And it set our offense back. Eventually we have to punt out of there deep in our own end zone. And that was really the only touchdown that the San Francisco 49ers got legitimately because the other touchdown they got was due to the, some refs incompetence. But this guy is not only, you know, not progressing and being a plus player. I completely blame him for that first touchdown that the 49ers got because of his boneheaded play of flubbing the punt and then recovering it at the five yard line. And then later having catchable balls just like bounce off his head. Like, I don't know what is up with him. Why can't he get right? I don't know what it is with Jakeem Gray. And I like the guy a lot. I like him personally as I a don't. player. I, well, you know, like anybody on our team until they step up and make plays. So here we go. The Jets game, guys, call it now. If you want to put your Bovada bets in, whatever you want to do. My, my bookie uh, bets. My bookie uh, bets. You put those in. Jakeem Grant having five plus catches because Sam talks shit about him. And every time that fucking happens, a guy steps up and comes out and has this coming out party. So here we go. Jakeem Grant, we mighty mouse is back again because that's going to be the spotlight. Sam called it. So um, reverting back to the game, you're right. He completely that, that field position turnaround was huge. Uh, why even field a punt inside the 10? 
let it go. Um, he's taking out unnecessary deep uh, kickoffs in the end zone and getting barely back to the 20, if that. Um, and that's just five, 10 yards where a guy like Brian Flores is not going to settle for that. That, that. that is field position. Bill Belichick completely where Flores comes from is all about the little things, the game of inches. And if we're going to sit here and we're going to get, go to the 20 yard line instead of the 25, those are misplays. Those are negative plays. And if he keeps racking those up, we're going to see a little bit more of uh, Lynn Bowden. And we're going to see a guy named Malcolm Perry possibly active because he's, he's had enough opportunities and he's just letting them go. And in, and in fact, Isaiah Ford is well past him as far as uh, trust from Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, and even in the offensive coordinator um, and, and well established as our number three receiver. And the only thing I can think to use him is some sort of like H back at this point, some sort of tailback where maybe yeah. you can throw him the ball out of the uh, backfield or something and he can get, he can create in space. I don't know. I mean, he just seems to be a deficit right now. And, you know, I, I joke a lot about not liking the guy. It doesn't mean I don't want to root for the guy. It doesn't mean I don't want to like the guy, but when I look at what everyone else is doing on offense and then I see him, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing what the other people are doing? Um, but I don't want to harp on Jakeem Grant because there was way too many positives in this game uh, to, to really just, you know, stop on him. We can step over him figuratively and literally oh, Jesus and uh, step over to the defense here. Uh, the defense played well. I mean, again, this is a uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo who's injured, not playing well. Uh, you've got a lot of players that are injured. The Niners are not the team that they were last year. We all know that, but you still have to go out there. You still have to execute. You said it already, Chris, Xavier Howard, another interception, his third on the season, third week in a row with an interception. Um, you know, we questioned him a little bit in terms of his injury and his integrity, but uh, I have to say uh, the guy is, defending passes he's defending players and he's intercepting the ball and flipping uh the script and bringing the offense back out on the field Xavier Howard so far it looks like at least on some level like his old self yeah and and it's a testament to having Byron Jones on the other side yeah um and our pass rush even without Shaq Lawson getting to Jimmy Garoppolo getting to CJ Bethard or Bethard or whatever the hell his name is you know we get these guys pass rushing up the middle and the inside uh, uh Agba had a great game mm-hmm. uh, getting his hands up getting inside and getting his hands on the quarterback and making them feel that pressure I said it on our podcast last week Sam I don't mean to pat my I mean to pat my own back don't, don't let me bullshit you I said it we get pressure on this guy and make him throw it sooner than he wants to so get him in the middle of his progressions or at the beginning of his progressions where he has to kind of force it to the first or second guy that's where our defensive backs can make plays and that's exactly what we did Bobby McCain made a pick Xavier Howard had a great pick was right to him and um, our defense played stellar they did fine they did a couple chunk plays but that's no big deal um, because their defense had a lot of the injuries but hey Jimmy Garoppolo was back he got benched guys on the road on the west coast following a very tough loss to Seattle their divisional uh, hierarchy that they're looking up at as the 49ers and Sam our, our defense came out and did exactly what I wanted them to do kept it a comfortable game giving up 17 points to the defending uh, NFC champs letting us go wild on 43 points is just recipe for perfection and a great goddamn weekend because I had Monday off so that was nice well, congratulations to you for having the Monday off because you could watch the late game, drink a couple of celebratory drinks, and then just roll right into Monday without having anything to do. Thanks, um, Christopher and, Columbus. And, and, and the indigenous people of America. Um, but the, here's a couple of things that are going on here. Uh, we mentioned Xavier Howard, and you mentioned the other part of that, which is a key, huge part of that, is that Byron Jones was back. And you put those two together, and now all of a sudden that, that, that pass defense that we were struggling with looks a lot better. Now, yeah. we don't really have the depth, but this is where the depth does help in terms of having Byron Jones out early. Uh, Noah Igbenogany 
said it right again. Uh, he now has that experience against some top receivers. He's got a little bit of game time experience. He now knows what to expect. He knows what not to do in some levels. Uh, Bobby McCain playing much better. Eric Rowe still shutting down people like George Kittle, maybe the best tight end. in Unreal. The and uh, not only did he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't completely blank him out, but George Kittle was not a factor in this game. Yeah. And part of ruined that was, my fantasy team, well, to be honest, he really did. But I mean, that, that, but we'll take that, right. We'll take what Eric Rowe is doing. Of course. Brandon Jones, the rookie playing well out there. Really the only guy on the defensive backfield that I have concerns about uh, would be Nick Needham. He continues to play like somebody who doesn't <laughs> belong on the field, but you know what? He, he is like our fifth or sixth cornerback at this point. If as long as everybody in, in front of him stays healthy, uh, he's going to be mitigated back to special teams where he really shines. So I'm not too worried about that, but uh, the defensive backfield looked great. Uh, Jerome Baker looked fantastic as a linebacker. I mean, when he's making plays the way he was making plays in this game, I feel great about the future. Van Ginkle. I mean, Van Ginkle is out there like hurting people. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely killing people off the edge. And uh, we're going to get back to the linebackers, but I want to talk about the defensive line because you mentioned it. Emmanuel Ogba uh, didn't do anything wrong in this game. He did get a penalty, I believe, because he stared at Jimmy Garoppolo or or, or maybe (laughs) some bit. uh, he should he should pronounce it beat hard because they got beat hard in this game. Uh, but CJ Bethard did draw a penalty for roughing the passer because uh, Emmanuel Ogba like sneezed on him or something. Him, yeah. I don't even know what the hell. He didn't even hug him. Like he he didn't even, he like had his hands up. Yeah, and he and uh, his chest. That's why I'd, I don't validate that second touchdown. But uh, um, Christian Wilkins was was snapping balls down, you know, out of the air. I mean, it was just an amazing uh, front seven. Um, uh, I mean, just an overall defensive effort by the Miami Dolphins here. But uh, on the defensive line, man, who was the player of the game on the defensive line for you? Uh, I'd have to say Vin Ginkle, even though he's a linebacker, but he yeah. rushed. He was unbelievable. Watching the flowing blonde hair, uh, you know, lo- looking like Fabio, but athletic, running out around out there and just tackling people, literally head and shoulders, probably calling his agent by the third quarter. Um, because I just see, he, he looked great. Look, I mean, we joke about the hair. He grows it out. He, he, he knows what's coming, but he played fantastic. Guys are bigger than him, and he just – Effort plays, man. That's the kind of shit when you coach a defense, um, even at the middle school level like I do, like you see those guys that aren't first-round picks that are not the size of Jadavian Clowney that don't have the 4-3 speed, but they're getting to the quarterback with effort, with heart, that Rudy – Rudiger, you know, heart that just, they want it more than you. And he had that man and he played phenomenal. Um, he's a guy I'm glad we have back. Uh, and, and, and just having him out there mixing with Van Noy, mixing with Agba, Shaq Lawson, hopefully back. I mean, if we got Byron Jones healthy and Xavier and Howard, the best compliment to good corners is a good pass rush. So you put a guy like that out there, that's going to um, work hard, like sealer too, or Cedar, whatever the fuck his name is. Like that guy's just like yeah. random white 92, like generic defensive tackle is amazing. The effort is phenomenal. He gets out there and he plays every snap. Like it's his last. And that's the kind of guys that Flores is bringing in Sam. And I hear you laughing. So I'll let you follow up, but that's the kind of guys Flores wants to bring in and be the core of this defense. Well, I mean, I think there was a real famous uh, number 92 on the defensive line and yesteryear called Reggie White, but I think uh, having uh, R92 be having be random white would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he should change his name from Zach Sealer to random white and just have R white on the back and see how that plays out. Hey, random white, get over here. Um, speaking of random whites, man. We're sacked by random white. <laughs> Did he say Randall? No, random. We're just random. Reggie with an white? M. No, random. The most random guy you can find. He looks different. Every, every game has a different hair color. Uh, I would uh, Zach Sealer 
we just made your career right there. Okay. That's what you need to do. Keep the number, but just rip off sealer off the back and put our white and then just change your hair color every single time. Color in a tattoo one week, you know, then put it on the other arm the next week. Just be a random white number. Yeah, it's like me with my setup here. It's something different every week. It gives you something to look forward to look for an, making an Easter egg, something funny, like, you know, like Popeye shooting, you know, spinach in his mouth or something over here. And next week it's an anchor, like mom and a heart, just something different that we get just get to look forward to. And by the way, you make sacks and make, plays we're just like holy shit pause it zoom in on his tattoos that'd be phenomenal he did it as a ginger this week that'd be so cool <laughs> you'd just be a different western european ethnicity every single week it could be irish and then scottish and then british and then <laughs> you know italian whatever uh, i love it random white 92 you're our new favorite player i think he he may have taken over from cody parkey there chris random white 92 I'm sweating i'm laughing so hard it's fucking hilarious <laughs> <laughs> well well speaking of uh random whites i think our kicker jason sanders which is like the most <laughs> random white name you could possibly have Absolutely. uh is having just a hell of a season we're, i mean he, he's 14 of 14 he went five for five he's hitting field goals from 50 yards out 40 yards out 30 yards out uh our special teams between matt hawk and it's officially matt hawk until otherwise stated i know we talked about whether it's hack or hawk he's proven himself once again chris we talk shit about a current player they listen to the show they get motivated they go out there and they're just having a career year but matt hawk jason sanders uh a, a deadly combination with the with the kicking game and i mean that seriously uh, how big of an asset has jason sanders been for the Miami Dolphins the last two weeks, 10 field goals on 10 attempts. He's huge. And the reason for that is the offense can play aggressive um, because they know if they don't get the yardage, they don't pick up the first down points are still on the board because the guy's just making the kicks, man. Um, the Colonel, Jason Colonel Sanders, like he is just playing phenomenal right now. He went AFC player of the week, uh, special teams player of the week, uh, not the first time and not the last. And, and uh, Hawk, is playing incredible. I apologize, Hawk. Like you're welcome. It's, I'm, it's Daddy trying to motivate you. That's it. Like it's not a. It's not a bad thing. It's not. I want you to do great, and I'm proud of you. Nah, that's what we do here in the town of Perfectville for all the citizens. And you are listening to Perfectville. So welcome to Perfectville, part of the Fanatics Network here. And Chris, uh, we're done talking about the Niners game, I think. I mean, everybody's been basking in that. We saw everything that happened. We just killed and waxed that ass. Um, but uh, now that we're, you know, four or five games in, right? So a third of the season is gone. We're going into this Jets game. So our, I think our stats as we talk about the game in just a little bit are going to get bloated. So before that happens and, you know, we, we, uh, we get all blown out of the water because of what we're going to do to the Jets, I want to take a look at some of the some of the stats that we're doing uh, so far through five games and play a little game that I like to call the stats game all right Chris so the first one here uh, we talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick so far this season through five games he has thrown five interceptions on defense we have gotten four interceptions so what happens first or actually what's going to be more by the end of the season will we have thrown more interceptions on offense or picked off more balls on defense we're going to have more picks on defense. Absolutely. Fitzpatrick's playing at a different level right now. Um, we are going to be in some shootouts, and we're going to have to throw the ball a lot when we play Kansas City, New England again, Buffalo again, uh, things like that. But I think he's got a better feel uh, with the receivers. Uh, he's throwing it in tight windows, but he's not making dumb decisions uh, like uh, Fitz, uh, you know, tragic has done in the past. So I'm going to totally, I, I would put money on our defense having more interceptions. Okay. That's a good bet. And that's a solid bet. And I think if Ryan Fitzpatrick was starting for the entire season, I would be with you, but I do think oh, at some point we are going to pull the trigger <laughs> and it may go. happen this week, ladies and gentlemen, with Tua Tungavailoa <laughs> coming in and relief here against the Jets. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I think we're going to have some growing pains late in the season with Tua. He might throw a couple balls that he's not supposed to and, and throw some interceptions. So I'm going to go with the offense having more interceptions 
interceptions than the defense. Uh, but I like where your head's at. I think, I think, like I said, if Ryan Fitzpatrick was the bona fide starter for the rest of the season, you might be onto something. Uh, speaking of offense and defense, this is something else. We were talking about the offensive line and just how well they've been uh, performing so far. Through five games, the offense has given up eight sacks which is unbelievable there's been quarters where we've given yes. up eight sacks uh, but so far the offense has only given up eight sacks on defense we've actually gotten 14 sacks so i think we're going to know the answer to this but uh defense what, more what, sacks there you go defense more sacks than the offense okay yeah. not only that our offensive line sam they're young they're gelling they're only going to get better fitzpatrick's getting rid of the ball quicker um absolutely no question our defense is going to have more sacks because they're gelling as well on the defensive line these guys Shaq lawson agba van noy all played on different teams last year they're 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 going they're going to be gelling as well and with byron jones back healthy now those coverage sacks are going to be coming into play no question Coverage sacks is where random white 92 gets all of his sacks as well. Uh, but let me ask you this, because I think I agree with you. The defense is going to have more sacks than the offense is going to give up. But we're at eight sacks given up, 14 sacks. So uh, that's almost double through five games. Are we going to be that much better on defense where you think by the end of the season, when we look at these stats, we'll have double the amount of sacks that we've gotten than sacks that we've given out? Yes. Wow, yeah, look at I that. I feel good at saying that. I feel good at saying that. Exactly what I just said. I mean, of course, barring injury or anything outlandish, we keep the starting defense together and our starting offensive line together. Even when you're going to get Austin Jackson back in a few weeks, um, Robert Hunt's going to get to play. for. He played the first time last week, so now it's week two for him. He's just going to get better and better. And our defense is, again, coverage sacks, man. That's going to be a thing where the quarterback's going to have to hold the ball because Byron Jones and Xavier Howard got him locked down, and it's going to give opportunities for the four, five, six seconds our defensive end is to make that second and third move to get in there and make sacks. I'm going to say close to double or double. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you heard it here first from the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Cullen. Okay. We've talked offense. We've talked defense. Let's talk some individual performers here. Uh, through five games, Ryan Fitzpatrick has 131 yards rushing, which is good for number two <laughs> on the team, which is depressing. Uh, Miles Gaskin has 249 yards rushing and Matt Breda has 100 yards rushing. Those are your top three really? rushers for the Miami Dolphins through five games. Uh, who ends up with the most yardage rushing at the end of the season between those three? Ryan Fitzpatrick, Miles Gaskin, or Matt Breda? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, and we did not pre-plan this, folks, uh, before the for the show. So he's hit me, me with this now. So I'd love to hear your reactions when they first heard this. But, you know, I'm thinking Matt Breda is going to get a little bit more comfortable in a bigger role in this offense. Um, Gaskins is going to start getting keyed on a little bit more, I think. Um and, and Breida can really make those breakout 50, 60, 70 yard runs. The fact I, I, I couldn't even believe if you asked me to mention the name without looking up Breida's uh, stats rushing, I would have probably said 40 yards. Like I did not know he was at a hundred already, uh, but he's a hundred less than Gaskins and Gaskins has been the primary guy so far. So I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the underdogs coming up. I think Breida's going to end up leading the team in rushing by the end of the year. Okay, so you have Breida leading the team in rushing over Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's got 131, and Miles Gaskin has a 249. So he's, he's 149 behind Gaskin. But you know what? For Matt Breda, all he has to do is, is break yes, one two or two. Games. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's over the top. So I think I agree with you. I think Breda is the outside shot. I'm going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Uh, fucking way jesus christ i think ryan fitzpatrick's gonna lead the team in rushing two years in a row because two is going to be the starting quarterback so we're just gonna look it makes sense look at this breakdown miles gaskin is 249 yards okay he leads the team but he's only got an average of 3.9 yards per carry matt breda has 100 yards but he's only got an average of 3.7 ryan fitzpatrick has 131 yards rushing and a 5.5 yards per carry he's our best running back chris I don't know the best running back. I think he's had a better opportunity because they're not lining up and preparing for old man beard to run on him. And he's running on a third and long on a draw situation or with a man coverage and no one's looking, but uh, sure. I'll toast to Ryan Fitzpatrick leading the team. Sam, if he does that, I'm going to make a bet on the air. Let's make a bet. Let's let the fans pick nothing. That's going to get me sick. Nothing. And no chip challenge. Not doing that again. Um, (laughs) You saw that shit. It sucked. Uh, Nothing's going to get me hurt. Nothing's going to risk my life, but fans tweet at, at, at welcome to perfectville and the bet is if ryan fitzpatrick does end up leading us and rushing again i'll eat my shirt or do something i don't know just come up with something let us know it welcome to perfectville and i'll uh, obviously have to you know check with the wife to agree with it but yeah it, we'll, we'll see what happens there's no way that fucking happens well, now we know why you don't wear pants during the, uh, the, the broadcast. The wife is clearly wearing them there. But uh, that wow. aside, I, let's get your time. I'm like not a receiver idea. on a dolphin. Stop shitting on me. <laughs> <laughs> I like your idea. At PerfectVillePod is our Twitter handle there. Give us what, what the bet should be. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is leading the Miami Dolphins in rushing at the end of this season, we're going to get our best three or four. Uh, and we're going to put him on a poll, and we'll let the citizens of Perfectville vote on what it is he has to do if Ryan Fitzpatrick is yet again Mr. Barry Sanders for the Miami Dolphins here in 2020. Uh, Let's move on to some other individual accomplishments here. Jerome Baker, Mr. Jerome Baker. We were just talking about him in the Niners game. He has 40 tackles so far through five games. Um, He's on pace for 128. I I took a look. He had 126 tackles last season. Uh, so I want to know, where do you think Jerome Baker ends this year? He's been playing pretty well. I know some people don't like him. Some people do. I think he's been play- playing pretty well. Uh, do you think Jerome Baker has more or less than 130 tackles at the end of the season? More. Okay. I think he has more. Yeah. The fact that he had 126 and he's already pacing for it now, uh, we're going to play a lot of run-heavy teams coming up. Um, and, again, we're going to be in a lot of shootouts. He's been covering. We have a lot of good teams that have good tight ends. He's going to be covering. He's going to be covering running backs out of the backfield. I totally see Baker uh, passing 130 tackles because he's just sideline to sideline out there. And, um, I mean, he's spying Cam in the first game. So, I mean, he's a guy that Flores trusts to be the leader and captain of that defense. So, uh, I, I think he's a prideful guy, and he's, he's going to definitely uh, strive for it. No argument from me. I think everything you said is exactly why he will go over 130, barring any sort of injuries. The fact that he, they, you know, they trust him on rundowns, they trust him on obvious passing downs. He's out there covering people. He's spying the quarterback when they're, uh, you know, uh, have, have, being a threat to run. Uh, I think he gets over 130. I, I venture to say he might get 135, 140 if all things go well. Uh, all right. So this one, this is the one that really interested me, Chris. The, part of this is trivia, and part of this is. Uh, just figuring out the historical nature of what we're seeing out of Jason Sanders right now. So uh, do you know who the most accurate kicker in Dolphins history is of all time in terms of field goal percentage? Is there a minimum games? Played? No, not right now. So it could be just like a guy that kicked one kick and he's one for one. Sure. That's fucked up. Um, I'm going to go random here. I'm thinking Pete Stoyanovich. I'm thinking Lindo Mare. Jay Feely. All right, I'll hold that thought on Jay Feely. But the correct answer in terms of at minimum one attempt is <laughs> is Wes Welker. Fuck you. People. God damn it. He, come on. 
I knew it was something stupid. Jesus. You're like, Tua Tungo Vailoa. He kicked one in spring practice. Uh, Wes Welker is one for one in field goals for the Miami Dolphins. As you remember, our punter and our kicker got hurt that game, and he was the only guy we had. And Isn't he, he the first guy in history to catch a touchdown, uh, rush a touchdown, and kick a field goal in the same game? I think I remember he had a that. return. He had a kick return, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Chris so, yeah, Berman went off on this random stat that he, he – I remember that game very well. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously not fair. It's one for one. I mean, most teams have somebody who kicked a field goal randomly somewhere, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. When I first looked up the stats, I'm like, oh, hell no. Look at this motherfucker at the top of the list. It's like um, the Patriots, but theirs is Doug Flutie on a drop kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so here's, here's where it gets really interesting because uh, you, you, you got partial credit for the answer here. Uh, minimum 16 games for the Miami okay. Dolphins. Jay who has the most accuracy that would be jay feely 21 of 23 91.3 percent in terms of uh field goal accuracy but that's a tie that's a tie with another guy can you guess the other guy jason sanders cody parky, Fucking parky. cody parky who also went 21 of 23 the same exact kicking as jay feely those are your leaders in the clubhouse minimum one season of kicking for the miami dolphins but jay feely has the asterisks because he fucking wore gloves while he did it yeah there's something weird going on there i'm not sure what jay feely was doing but uh cody parky and jay feely are uh, tied leaders in the clubhouse, 91.3% in terms of their field goal accuracy on that season in their wow. respective years. My question to you is Jason Sanders is 14 of 14 through five games. Will Jason Sanders break the record of 91.3% and become the all-time greatest single-season place kicker in Miami Dolphins history? How can I, as a two-time Hall of Famer, a doctor, uh, sit here – and bet against the colonel, the guy that's perfect on the season that has kicked with and, and Sam, I'll bring it back to basketball, even though I don't want to. I don't need you to why, double why down. You, I don't need you to follow I, up. I don't need you to follow up. I don't need okay. you to follow up. I'll bring it back to the game of basketball in the bubble this past uh season that was so Lakers long ago. Lakers and six. So long ago. Um where the shooters, the three point shooters, did so well because there was no distractions in the crowd. There was no air ball chance. There was no cheering. There was no booing. There was no anybody getting in their head. Kickers, for the most part, are kicking in empty stadiums. You know, you hear it all the time. Oh, he made a 68-yarder in warm-ups. Yeah, there's no one there. No one there, and there's a random towel guy walking next to you, and there's no pressure. There's still pressure in the game, but there's hardly any fans. If there are, they're not loud, and if they are, they're in our stadium because Florida's the only one letting people in of other teams as well. But absolutely, I'm not betting against Jason the Colonel Sanders. He's already batting 100, buddy, so he has a lot of wiggle room here, and hopefully, hopefully – our offense is gelling enough that we're getting in the end zone so much that it's sparingly he's even kicking. And in that case, I say he beats the goddamn record without gloves. Well, it's an interesting take. I hadn't heard that before, but you might be onto something about having nobody in the stands. It's kind of like when you're golfing and you're by yourself or with your foursome and you can hit the ball like you normally do. But as soon as uh, the foursome behind you rolls up and like oh, there's that the pressure worst. to just hit, you shank it. And you're like, oh my God, I wouldn't have done that if those people weren't watching me. There might be something to that, especially the sensitive nature of kickers. That's an interesting thought there, Chris. You're I like it. I'm a doctor. I come up with these things. Yeah. Well, that was a fantastic uh, analysis there. I like that. So I, uh, I'm going to say no. And here's why, because Jay Feely and Cody Parkey 
only kicked 23 times in their respective seasons, and they only missed two. Jason Sanders is going to have more opportunities there, which means more opportunities to miss, especially as we get into the winter months there. He's already 14 of 14, Chris. I mean, he's on pace to be, after 10 games, 28 field goal attempts in, which is more than the entire season for Jay Feedley and Cody Parkey, and that would be six more games after that. So he has more opportunities to kick the ball, but that also means he has opportunities to miss. So I'm going to say he misses out, but he's still going to have a fantastic season somewhere in the mid to high 80s, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Jason you Sanders will be goes wrong, out there. And you're going to be wrong, and Jason Sanders, actually the colonel, I should say, sorry, colonel, uh, is going to go out in the last game of the season. He's going to kick his uh, 48th of 48th field goal to be 100%. And when he kicks that field goal, it's going to wiggle. And it's going to go like this and do one of those curves almost to the pole and smash that net. And you know what he's going to do? Ridiculous prediction time. He's going to pull out a Justin Tucker jersey, set that shit on fire and piss on it and say, who's your king now? And he's going to salute and he's a colonel out and he's going to walk off with a bucket of fried chicken from KFC. And by the way, that gets us into the playoffs. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, and that will solidify our six and 10 record. Um, but no, apparently, apparently we'll be 10 and six, which I'm okay with. Trust me. I'd be more than okay with, uh, I'm also going to be more than okay than talking about the jets game after the commercial yes. break here, Chris, because the New York awful jets are coming to Miami early. It is Christmas in October, baby. Miami dolphins, New York jets. We break everything down and more right after these words. Between the NFL, college ball, and Major League Baseball playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all of your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs, ladies and gentlemen. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that the underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday, are they? Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. So sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code PERFECTBILL to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code PERFECTVILLE for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stack UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Right at this moment, there are men everywhere doing manly things. Beards unkempt, hair run amok leaving them in a state of hair despair. And that's just what we can see. Never mind what's going on downstairs. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them?
And we're back. We're talking New York Jets coming to Miami to play the two and three Miami Dolphins. Now, you're looking at the Miami Dolphins, Chris, and you're like, wow, they're two and three. But you know what? The Jets are 0 for the season, and I don't <laughs> see this getting any better for them. The Jets still have Adam Gase as their coach. I think they have old man uh, uh, freaking Vinny Testaverde as their quarterback <laughs> this week. They just got rid of the only player worth a damn. I mean, they kept Kalen Balazs and got rid of Le'Veon Bell. I mean, there's just absolutely no reason for the Miami Dolphins to be afraid of this team which is why i'm afraid chris but uh uh, what are your thoughts for the miami dolphins versus the new york jets here early present time for all dolphins everywhere sam calm yourself be calm i'm here to talk you off that ledge okay because i'm I'm telling you right now this is not your mom and dad's this is not your sam and chris's growing up as children young adults miami dolphins we could have and should have Played badly against the 49ers. We had every excuse. We just lost a tough one to Seattle. We traveled to the West Coast. You know, they're the defending NFC champions. What do we do? We come out and put a 43 burger on them. We're playing the O for New York Jets. Okay. Distractions galore because they cut Le'Veon Bell. He's gone. Uh, Sam Darnold's hurt. Here comes Joe Flacco, Mr. Check, please, when Kiko Alonso knocked him into the nether parallel universe. <laughs> and anybody they have to throw to is gone. I mean, what, Henderson or Hernandez? Uh, I forgot the tight end they have f- from Miami. Uh, um, Herndon, Herndon is Yeah, Herndon. There he is. I should know. I'm a Canes fan. Hey, you lost to Clemson. Shut up. Um, Robbie Anderson's gone. He's here in Carolina. Joe Flacco, Mr. Statue. I said last week, Sam – the worst quarterback we played this season was Jimmy Garoppolo. And God damn it again, I have to dust off that aqua jacket, baby, because I'm earning my stripes. I was correct. He got benched. We picked him off and made him look like bench Jimmy in New England. Here we are. We're playing against 48-year-old statue Flacco, and our defense is on a roll. We're on this way up. I've said it for show after show after show. We're ticking this way defensively. We're going to come out there, Sam, and if we're not up by 20 at halftime, something's wrong. We we are going – this game, Adam Gase might get fired after this. I'll be completely honest. Let me ask you this. Joe Flacco has always had success against the Miami Dolphins. Granted, that was when he was younger and on a very, very strong Baltimore Ravens team that had actual talent on both sides of the ball. But does that give you any sort of, like, you know, stomach cramps at all that Joe Flacco has actually had tremendous success against the Miami Dolphins in yesterday? No, no. That's like saying, man, your macaroni and cheese is normally really good, but you also normally add salt, pepper, paprika, and cheese. This is just noodles. So, no, I'm, <laughs> that's, that's not any very – like, literally – He's bad mac and cheese. There's no, there's no seasoning at all. He's random white food. There's no seasoning. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm not worried about no stomach aches here. You know, normally you'll, you'll throw out some sort of analogy and then I'll just like piggyback on that and add to it and hopefully make it even funnier than what it was originally. I can't top what you just said about Joe Flacco being bad mac and cheese. I mean, he's mac and cheese without the cheese. You're absolutely correct. That is the most appropriate analogy ever. Joe Flacco with the Baltimore Ravens is mac and cheese. Joe Flacco with the New York Jets in 2020 is mac. That's it. (laughs) That's it, mac. Just mac. That's it. Not big mac, mac. Nope, nope. Joe Macco. Joe Macco should be his name. (laughs) Overly boiled more than al dente. (laughs) Which makes sense because he's a noodle arm at this point anyways. So, all right. So you're not worried about Joe Flacco. I'm not worried about Joe Flacco. Anybody on defense that you're worried about for the New York Jets? I don't even know who's on their defense. I just know we're going to (laughs) torture them. 
It's a fucking jet. I fucking hate the Jets. Sam, you and I were in New Jersey. We've told the story before for the Jets. You know, Chad Pennington goose stepped into the end zone like an asshole in a draw play and um, wasted a great game by Ronnie Brown. Um, I hate the Jets with a passion, Sam. I hope we go out and Flores just absolutely – you know he's going to have a great game, and and he hates Adam Gase with a passion. He showed it last year. You got fantasy with a tight end named Mike Gusecki on it. You start him because that guy's going to have himself a goddamn game, and he makes sure to show Adam Gase he was underutilized while he was head coach. Yeah, if you could, if you could just give me the thunder back that you stole, that's exactly where I was going to go. Guys, look, Devontae Parker's been good this season. Preston Williams looks like he's back, turned around. Uh, You know, apparently I just put the – good news jinx on Jakeem Grant, according to Chris. Uh, but all that aside, take a look at Mike Kosicki. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to take a look at Mike Kosicki. And I think he's going to take a look at him long because this is a game, especially with Adam Gase, knowing that his goose is cooked at this point. Uh, I, I feel like this could get out of hand quickly, Chris. So uh, what do you think? What's the final score? You already said if we're not up by 20 at the half, there's something wrong. I, I don't know about that. But what is your guess? What is your best educated two-time Hall of Fame doctor-ass think? What is the final score here? Miami Dolphins, New York Jets. 45-13. Wow. Miami one-ups our score. Okay, we one-up our score. Fitzpatrick's got a new fire under his ass. There's a young guy named Tua Tungabailoa that really needs to get in and play some football, and he is not done yet. He came out, and I made sure to notice, too, in his press conferences, they asked him about Tua and his excitement and jumping up with him or whatever. And prior, prior to all the rumors after his bad game uh, where we didn't score into the end zone against Seattle but once, uh, prior to that, he was like, oh, he's great. He's going to be a great quarterback. I, if I have to be a cheerleader, I'll watch him. Not anymore, man. That Seattle game ended. They asked about Tua, and he literally said, hey, yeah, he's, got, he's fun. He's excited for the team to win. You know, that's a kind of infectious guy. That's good. He's, he's excited we're winning. He wasn't like, oh, hey, you know, like imagine him playing, right? Like, no. He, Fitz, Fitz is putting the nail in this team, and he's upset. He's upset that he's being questioned, his arms being questioned, and we're going out there in a rivalry game, and we're at home with a crowd in a rivalry game. We're coming out smoking, Sam, and we're going to one-up that 43 points because, uh, I mean, Neville Hewitt is starting at middle linebacker for the Jets, and he like could, he was like a special teamer for us. So, um, Old friend, Neville Hewitt, good to see you again. We'll be running by you quite a bit. <laughs> okay, so you've got this 40 what, – what, what was your final score? 45-13. 45-13. Book it, says the two-time Hall of Famer. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not too far behind you here, Chris. I think, I think this game turns out to be Ryan Fitzpatrick's age versus Joe Flacco's number, <laughs> which is 37-5. to five. I mean, the Jets are terrible. They don't have anybody. I mean, Adam Gase, uh, honestly, he doesn't know who plays defense for the Jets. You don't? I don't. Their head coach doesn't. I mean, that's the Jets fans understand what they have in Adam Gase, which is not much. We, we understand that, which is why I'm so happy that Adam Gase is here. Um, Joe Flacco being the quarterback instead of Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold's damage goes at this point anyways. But Frank Gore, I mean, look at this team that they're putting out there against the youngest team in the league with the Miami Dolphins. Joe Flacco at quarterback, Frank Gore at running back. And I think Anthony Munoz is coming out of retirement to play left <laughs> tackle. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the old, this bad team that's out there they're the worst team in football and and that's saying something because the giants play football still and they're worse than the giants i mean this this is a really really bad new york jets team it would surprise me if they win any games this season whatsoever because they are that bad they're worse than the rich uh, rich co-tight led one in 15 jets this is not a good football team and i actually heard i actually heard that adam gase is contemplating 
Frank Caliendo playing corner uh, in a Darrell Rivas jersey because he can uh, impersonate his voice. That's how bad they are off. It would be an improvement over what they have now. I know that. I mean, they're just not a very good team. I mean, I've put it this way. If the Miami Dolphins lose to the Jets this week, we deserve any and all ridicule from everybody in the media, from other fans, from everyone. It should not happen. It cannot happen. And I will not allow it to happen. I think we win big, <laughs> 37 to 5. I don't know how they get a safety. Maybe we just walk off the field with the ball in our hand early because we're already winning 37 to 3 and we somehow get a safety as time walks out. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I would love here. Here's my ridiculous prediction to your story. So Tua comes in for mop-up duty and literally like as the fans are cheering as he's taking a victory knee, turn around and punts the ball out of the back of the end zone. Just forgive them two points. Like you're welcome. Um, and then we just walk into the end zone without shaking hands because they obviously either have COVID or uh, herpes. So like you don't mess with the Jets uh, when it comes to that. And Adam Gase uh, is fired after the game that's my prediction Sam see that's where I wanted to ask you that's what I wanted to leave with if we beat them down enough this is why I think the team has motivation a they were pissed off after the Seahawks game because they feel that they're more talented than the record showed b they just beat a, a 49ers team which isn't a good very very good 49ers team but was still the NFC champion and like you said it went across the country to do it they're now playing their rival uh, in the AFC East. They've already lost to the Bills. They've already lost to the Patriots. The Jets are terrible. And there's some players there that remember Adam Gase. This could be, they want to be the team that says, we got him fired. I think they have that motivation this week. And I think Brian Flores knows that. You also have Chan Gailey, who used to be with the Jets back in the day. Uh, you have so many pieces here that we could just end the Adam Gase era, which would make me sad and happy all at the same time. Do you think Adam Gase gets fired after this game if it's a big beatdown against the Dolphins? I do. I actually really do, especially after trading Le'Veon Bell the way – or, I'm sorry, cutting Le'Veon Bell. I'm sorry, I was speaking in normal terms of what you do as a franchise with a 28-year-old running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield and also uh, run between the tackles. Uh, sorry, the Jets, I forgot. They cut him I got, and, are, and are paying him to play for the uh, uh, future Super Bowl-winning Chiefs probably. So, yeah, great work there, Adam, and the Jets organization. But, yeah, absolutely. You come into Miami, he's going to get booed out of the stadium. Uh, the former players, if there are any, are going to just completely despise the guy. They already have I, I think Jordan I, I think Jordan Phillips uh, J- uh, Jarvis Landry Kenyon Drake and all these other former players are going to be watching this game fo- foaming at the mouth wondering what happens because a they're expecting a Dolphins victory and b this could be the end of Adam Gase not only as head coach of New York Jets but uh, honestly they, with the way the offense performing he is really after post Peyton Manning uh, not had a lot of good stuff on his resume when it comes to being the genius or the whisperer or the offensive guru that uh, he was known to be coming to Miami way back when. Uh, look no further than what Ryan Tannehill has done since he's left the Miami yeah. Dolphins and away from Adam Gase for all the proof that you need of him being a quarterback whisperer. Uh, again, Peyton Manning was really good. That's all that was. And Adam <laughs> Gase rode those coattails and Peyton Manning let him because they're friends. Uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think if we win this game by three scores or more, uh, there's no chance in hell that Adam Gase saves his job after this week. If they somehow make it closer, maybe he can say, hey, look, we're improving. We got rid of whatever. We're, we're up against our rivals and we, we made it close. Maybe he can last for another couple of weeks. Uh, but it's getting close, man. I mean, we're already starting to see coaches get fired. We've seen two of them get let go already. Uh, I think Adam Gase is probably number three this season. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if it happens after this game. I think you're going to be looking forward to that. I'm going to be looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the Miami Dolphins being three and three headed into their early truncated bye week. Uh, I told everybody on Twitter after the Seahawks game that this team would be three and three heading into week seven. And uh, I didn't realize that we'd have a bye week week seven when I said that. But uh, I firmly believe it's true because uh, we're not losing to the Jets.
spots and we're already two and three. So simple math tells me, Chris, we're batting 500 going into the bye week. Yeah, no. And, and look, the, all homerism aside, all bias aside, just a simple football mind looking at the Miami Dolphins this season. We're a way better team than we were last year. We have much more talent. And the games we have lost are against teams that I think at the end of this year, we're going to realize are one of the best teams in the league. When you look at the Patriots, when you look at the Bills, who are already, you know, had their first loss a couple of nights ago. Um, the, the, these in Seattle is a perennial uh, Super Bowl team. They're like absolutely wiping the floor with people. We held them to less points and we're pressuring Russell Wilson we are getting there Sam we're the second youngest team in the league we beat the youngest team in the league handedly on the road on a short week so a lot of positives for what we're looking for I don't think anybody anybody tricked themselves into thinking this is going to be anything but a rebuilding year so playoffs were a very 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 small little percentage opportunity but Sam if we can get to 500 here have a shorter bye week and then, you know, whatever happens down the line, we're playing competitive against competitive teams and we're beating teams we're supposed to beat. That's why a, I think we beat the jets on Sunday and B I think we're going to be a team to, uh, I wouldn't want to play. Let's just say at the end of the year, because who knows what can happen. This team can make stuff work. Well, you got me excited. I know you're excited. All the citizens of Perfectville are excited. Everybody part of the fanatics network is excited. Doll fans everywhere worldwide are excited. Uh, what's not exciting, Chris? Uh, fantasy football. You want to talk about it or no? Uh, I'm good. Yep. You want to talk about the uh, NBA finals or no? The what? Nope. Okay. What about uh, Major League Baseball I'm playoffs? Out of uh, beer. I guess yeah. I'll get up. Yeah. No? Well, I, I, since we're all out of topics to talk about, I think the only thing left to say on behalf of myself and the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, now part of the Fanatics Network, is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.